Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and on behalf of my co-host Chrissy Dunham and myself, let me just say thank you for joining us today. The Wonder Podcast is for you, whether you're a man, a woman, young, older, married, single. Our mission is to encourage you and get you focused back on the wonders of our great God. Psalm 136 says, to him who alone does great wonders. And to Him alone do we dedicate this episode and every episode. So whether you're in the car or on your way to work, at home watching a little one, washing dishes or binge listening on a road trip, which we've heard many of you do, we say thank you. And we pray you enjoy this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Welcome to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Christy Dunham, and I am here with my co-host, Lisa Clark. Lisa, what is going on today in your life? Hi, Christy. I've just been doing some things around the house today. We did a little photo shoot, which was super fun. What else is going on? You're getting ready to head to Norman. I am heading to Norman tomorrow for a few days. Crossover at um, OU starts back up tomorrow night. So that's their big launch for the second semester. So I keep the boys probably one a month, once a month during that. And so I'll be there for a few days. So I'm excited to see my little guys. I know. That is so fun. We've talked before that the best part of life are these grandkids. Yes, for sure. So much kids. Yes, but we had to have them first in order to have the. Yes, you know. I know. I know. We um, did. I want to give a shout out Ooh. to Linda Perry. I ran into her this weekend, and she told me she listened to our podcast all the way home from Arkansas, about a four-hour drive. And she laughed and just enjoyed herself. Now I don't know what that means. I'm thinking she enjoyed it. Her favorite show at this point is our top 10 that we did at the end of the year, but it was just so fun to listen to her. And she's a more mature woman. She's a widow. And she said it just gave her delight. So I wanted to share that with you, Lisa, and tell our listeners, you're never too old to learn. You're never too old to listen to a podcast. So That was super fun. She's so dear. I'm so glad you heard that. I love her. I just love her. So today we are going to cover the book of Titus at a high, high level. Titus, as most of you may know, is a tiny little book. It's a letter that Paul wrote, uh, giving Titus some instruction. There was a church out of control and he sent Titus to go help him out, and he gave him words of wisdom in order to do that. It's a very important book, even though it's little and concise. I was reminded today that Christian living, the way we are to live, this book is full of little tidbits like that. It's a very important book. It really is. You will start with our nutshell. Yeah, let's do. Let's start with our nutshell. It's only three chapters long, Chrissy. So it's a it's a little bitty book, but I love this quote by T.D. Price. Listen to this because it really goes with what you were just saying. Christianity is the least concerned about religion of any of the world's face. It is primarily concerned about life. And it goes right along with the book of Titus because I did not count, but 
it talks about good works. Paul talks about good works a lot in this book, a lot. And the the high level point that he's making is, hey, we want to be a sweet aroma to the world. And by our good works, we're showing them who we are on the inside. It has nothing to do with our salvation, which we know. It's a fruit of our salvation. It's the gift of our salvation. It's the representation of our salvation. And so he talks a lot about it because we're trying to get people into the church. We're not trying to make them not want to come into the church. And so it's an interesting book because he's really exhorting Titus and filling him up and encouraging him because he knows it's going to be a hard road. The Cretans did not have a great reputation. Now, before we even read the nutshell, you and I've been to Crete. We have. Tell me what you remember about Crete. We were, it was a little bitty island we visited for, I remember about a half a day. I have the worst memory on this kind of stuff, but didn't we visit for like a half a day or so? Yeah, or maybe even less. I just remember you and I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, looked at each other and said, what in the heck happened here? <laughs> I think this because is Because we're place. Bible scholars. <laughs> <laughs> because we're like, why are we stopping here? And I remember David telling us about Titus. And right when we arrived, if it's the place I remember, it kind of looked like Italy, that yeah. Architecture was very different than the other islands in the Greek islands that we had the opportunity to see. Yeah. And he said, this is where Titus came and started churches and kind of tried to get control of the people here with their Christianity that Paul had taught. Okay. And they were in a big uproar and fussing with each other. I'm pretty sure. That is where it was that we looked at each other like, what happened here? Yeah, I remember it being really pretty and small, you know, but everything's pretty in Greece when you go through those, all those little islands. It's beautiful. Okay, so here's chapter one in a nutshell. We're going at a fast pace here, people. Buckle up. Paul began by establishing his authority as an apostle, one to whom God had entrusted the message of salvation and eternal hope. He then proceeded to outline for Titus the qualifications for officers of the church. Much of what he said is similar to his instructions in 1 Timothy, including a warning about the false teacher. So that's pretty much what chapter one is about. You want to go ahead and read that for us, Chrissy? Absolutely. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, he had revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. To Titus, my true son, In our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone and as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife with faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. As an overseer of God's household, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching 
and to refute those who contradict it. For there are many rebellious people, full of empty talk and deception, especially those from the circumcision party. It is necessary to silence them. They are running entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. One of their very own prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith and may not pay attention to Jewish myths and the commands of people who reject the truth to the pure everything is pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and conscience are defiled. They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Good work, good work, good work. And so... Paul's basically saying, telling Titus, these are the qualifications for a church elder, so we need to get that straight. We're trying to work from the inside out, so if we want to affect the community for Christ, we've got to start in the church. We've got to fix this stuff that's kind of going cuckoo there. And you remember this was happening with the church at Corinth, I believe, too, where they were all getting wrapped around the axle. Should we be circumcised? Should we not? All that kind of stuff. So there was some of that going on there, too. The Cretans had a bad reputation, so they were coming in and out of the church that way as well. People are gossiping about each other and all that. So he's saying, if you're going to put, we need to put people in charge, and and these are the qualifications for them. Don't just take any Joe off the street and put him in charge of things. He needs to be a representative. Remember, he's a representative of Jesus Christ. But I love this part because Paul offers Titus grace and peace, which you know, we say that a lot to people, grace and peace to you, or praying God's grace and peace for you. But I loved what the, this commentary I read said about it, because I thought it was so beautiful. Grace is the unearned blessing or favor of God toward mankind. It springs from the eternal well of God's goodness. Peace for the believer is tranquility of the soul, a spirit at rest in God, despite the turbulence of circumstances. Grace and peace can be known only in relationship with God, only as we develop intimacy with God and his Christ. Paul desired that Titus experience these treasures. And I thought that was so beautiful because, you know, I've used this illustration before, but it's not like we can go to Walgreens and get a bottle of grace or a bottle of peace, right? These are things the world does not offer. We cannot purchase. They only come from the spirit of the living God. And that fact that he was offering this to him through Jesus Christ, I thought was just a beautiful picture saying, don't expect this from any other source. This this is a gift from God. I thought it was beautiful. Absolutely. I love that so much. I love an illustration. And this whole chapter, as I was reading it, reminded me, of the sermon I heard on Sunday from Dr. Connor Bells. And he said, the Super Bowl's coming up and everybody loves queso. Everybody loves queso. And he said, the first thing you get out is Velveeta. Well, people, Velveeta is not cheap. It is not cheap. It's processed, but man, we eat it up. We add that Rotel in and some other good things. And it's a cheese dip. And it looks like a cheese dip and it tastes like a cheese dip. But people, it's not cheap. And the people in Crete 
were that. They looked like and acted like they were cheese, but they weren't. Inside the church, they were fussing and all this going on. And I just love that. I love that illustration because it's such a challenge to me that he gives instructions that this is how the elders should live. And then we're getting ready to get instructions for us as women and how we're supposed to live. And it's just this whole book is a reminder. Don't be Velveeta. Be the real chief. And I love that illustration. It has stuck with me. It's just rolled over in my head all day. I just love it because it's easy to fake being a Christian many, many times. It is. And you know what? Just like Velveeta, it's good in the moment. You feel good about it. You know, you're like, okay, I got this going on. But you know what? God knows our heart and he knows when we're faking it. And that was what Paul was trying to get through to Titus that, you know, you need to be discerning here as a leader. And these are the things you're looking for. Okay, so let's move on because chapter two is my favorite. I don't know about you, but I love chapter two. Here it is in a nutshell. Paul worked within the existing social structures of his time, addressing common groups such as young and old, men and women, and slaves. The intention of the gospel is not to overthrow particular cultural establishments, but to transform them by a new ethic. Paul was eager that the gospel not be attacked or refused for peripheral reasons, but that the gospel be attracted to those outside the church, drawing them in by the goodness of Christ's people and the grace of God. I mean, how appropriate is that for 2021? <laughs> I love it. I love how appropriate. Man. Love it. Okay, so let me read chapter two. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They ought to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good work, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about it. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God, here's what I wrote as the key passage for Titus, verses 11 through 15. Here they are. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself, a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Wow. Now that's a charge, isn't it? Love it. I love it. God's grace is the motivation for all good deeds. 
because he came, the grace of God appeared bringing salvation for all people, all people. So we need to deny the worldly things that are offered in front of us. We need to live in a godly way. We need to be the cheddar cheese. We need to be the real deal while we're waiting for him. And because of this grace, this overwhelming thing that he's done, this salvation that he's brought to all people, that should motivate us to serve him well. So the church should be serving everyone in the community, everyone within arm's reach, everyone, everywhere in their area. We are to be about God's business. But to do that, we have to live a life that he's called us to live. So as women, he points out to women, you know what? It doesn't matter how many candles you just blew out on your birthday. Doesn't matter how old you are. There is always someone younger or someone older. Someone older that can guide and direct you like a Linda Perry. Like when I listen to her, she has this voice of authority because she's older and wiser. And then I'm older and wiser to someone that's younger. So we all have a role here. We all have a role to play, but we have nothing to offer if we're not living the life that he just pointed out to us in chapter one. That's right. He's asking us to be good representatives. And I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Am I being a representative of Jesus Christ? Am I bringing people to Christ or turning them away by the way I live my life? I remember when our daughters were young and I would drop them off at a friend's house. I would say, represent your family well, meaning don't embarrass us, you know, don't make us look like we're not doing anything right over here at this house. Point is, are we representing the church of Jesus Christ well? And he gives lots of illustrations there. One is don't be a gossip. I think that's just a great one to remember is we don't want to be the one that knows everything. And then he lists other things too. But I just think there's so much about what he's saying here is we want to be the sweet aroma. We want to be living a life that is drawing people into the church. I've heard statistics recently that church growth is falling. I don't know if that's true. I've just heard different people speaking that attendance is going down, that people are leaving the church in certain numbers. And and I would hate to think that's true because, I mean, certainly we're supposed to be about building the church of Jesus Christ, preparing for his return. And so I pray that it's growing. And I'm sure it is in certain places. I know in a lot of third world countries where there's persecution, the church, the underground church is growing by leaps and bounds. And so... I just want to be living my life so that people are being drawn to Christ, being drawn to the body of Christ, the church, and not being turned away. And I think that a lot of times the things that we see on the news and the stories that we read, Christians aren't representing the way God has asked us to by these good works. That's right. I love the, before we go to chapter three, I love the closing line in verse number five, I'll just read the whole verse. To be self-controlled, pure workers at home, kind and in submission to their husbands, so that God's word will not be slandered. That is a huge responsibility, a huge responsibility. 
So we are to be about these things, women, so that God's word will not be slandered. So that when they see us out in the world and then we meet them at church because we've invited them there, that what they hear at church is a reflection of us. Like you said, a represent, you know that word, (laughs) representation. There it is. You know, who you are and who you belong to. Remember who you are and who you belong to. And I, that, that's very convicting there so that God's word will not be slandered. Lord, may you not find us living in a way where your word is slandered. Amen. That's heavy. Amen. That's a calling. That's a calling. Okay. Here's chapter three in a nutshell. This is so good, Chrissy. Though distinctly different from unbelievers, Christians are not to create enclaves from which they emerge only to buy groceries or take piano lessons. Christians are to interact with neighbors, society, the world at large. This creates a tension. So Paul outlined the behaviors and attitudes which believers should maintain. He then formed a theological basis for his instructions, closing with personal greetings and remarks. Let's read chapter three. Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. This is my favorite part of Titus right here. Verse four. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that Having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Here's the game changer. This saying is trustworthy, period. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone, but avoid Foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, for you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. When I send Eratomus and Tychus to you, make every effort to come to me in the apocalypse because I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with me, send your greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you. Love, Paul. Wow. That whole section about being saved and that it's not by works. It it's just by his mercy. And then he 
pours out the Holy Spirit on us abundantly, abundantly. We have everything we need under him. We have everything, all the power we need, the knowledge we need, everything. I love the word through the washing of regeneration. I don't know if you remember this, and I know you do with your grandkids, but when you bathe a child or you bathe a baby, you get them out of that tub and don't they smell so good? Mm-hmm. Oh, they smell so good. And you put them in those cute little hooded towels and they're just so clean and soft and you put lotion on them and they, they're, they are just so yummy. That is what Christ does for us when we are saved. He cleans us up and we are a new creation. And the good thing is, Lisa, he cleans me up every day, every day. His mercies are new every day. I'm going to mess up every day. I may not do every assignment he gives me, I, but he loves me anyway, and he never quits on me. So I love this whole regeneration that we are a new creation, just like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, we came from this filthy mess into this beautiful new creation that's pure and fresh each and every day. This saying is trustworthy, trustworthy. There are not many things we can trust in this world, but we can trust in the word of God and we can trust that this story is true. Amen. And it's because of that grace, it's because of what Jesus did for us that we're allowed to do these good works that he keeps talking about. The good works don't save us. They're the fruit that comes out of our lives because we've trusted Jesus to come into our heart and life and to save us. And we are a new creation. And therefore, those good works come out of our life. And we're able to do good here on this earth. What does the scripture say? Your best days are as filthy rags. We're not good in and of ourselves. But because of what Jesus did for us, we're able to do these good works for his glory. You know what I did here, Chrissy, in chapter three? When you start out with verse one, I replaced it with my name and kind of turned it into that pronoun, the scripture there. Listen listen to it it when I read it like this. Remind Lisa to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For Lisa was once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasure, passing her days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved her, not because of works that she had done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on her richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, she might become an heir according to the hope of eternal life. I loved placing that, replacing that with my name and talking where it made it more personal to me about what Jesus did for me and that this isn't possible. These good works that he talks about numerous times in Titus. We can't do anything good apart from Jesus Christ in our life. It might look good to the outside world. Think, you know, you've always heard, well, she's such a good person. She's such a good, he's such a good person. There's a lot of moral people in the world, a lot of rule followers. We can't get that crossed 
with someone living for Christ in that coming out as the good work because of what what Christ has done in their hearts. That's why as you're raising your children, you want to make sure that that their lives are representative of Jesus Christ, that they're learning the difference between pleasing the Lord and pleasing man. Because you don't want to just raise a rule follower. It's nice to have a rule follower because they're not in trouble all the time and it teaches them how to live within those boundaries. But you want them to go further than that. No, but you're doing this. You're following the rules. You're being obedient with a heart for Christ, a heart of pleasing the Lord in all that you do. So this talk of good works, I mean, it's the book of Titus is all about learning to live within the church in the right way for the glory of God. So that when we go out those doors, which we all do when we come in and then we go back out, that we affect the kingdom of Christ and we're bringing people to Christ. And so they're able to come in and be a part of the family of God as well. Amen. And I just feel led to say, if there's a listener that has no idea what we're talking about, or you stumbled onto the Wonder Podcast and you've never had an opportunity to hear of this amazing gift that God has given us, we would like to pray with you right now and just give you an opportunity to do that. We've never done this on our podcast, but I just feel very led. I'm very passionate about this book. I'm very passionate about what it says because it's it's very convicting in many, many ways. But I just love that he states this is trustworthy. This story that we're telling you, the reason we do this podcast is to encourage women and men in their Christian walks, because we are called to be men and women of God. And Paul reminds us in the book of Titus what that looks like, what that looks like. And this church was just in chaos and in a mess. And he sent Titus as a messenger. And I truly believe with my heart that God has set aside Lisa Clark, and Chrissy Dunham to be a messenger, a messenger to you, a messenger to everyone of who Jesus Christ is and this saving grace. So Lisa, will you close us out? Just if there is someone that doesn't know Jesus, will you just lead us in a prayer of salvation? And let's close out that way today. Oh, I would love to, Chrissy. And I just, I appreciate that so much that you listen to the Lord and, and that we can close this time together out that way. And if you're, if you're listening right now and you're unsure if you know Jesus, if you've ever asked him into your heart and life to be your savior, then just pray this along with me, Lord Jesus. And we're just going to call his name right now, Father, in you. We know that you're listening to us and that you're interceding for us right now, Jesus. We pray that you would come into our heart and life, Father. Save us from our sin. We know that we need a Savior. We know we're separated from God, Father. From the beginning of time, we've needed a Savior. And God provided a Savior through His only Son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, will you come in and save us from our sin, Father, to where we can be white as snow like Chrissy was talking about, where we can love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then through that, Father, be able to love our neighbor like you've called us to. We don't want to be separated from God, Father. We want this new life in Christ. And so I pray that for anyone here that's praying that, Father, just call upon the name of Jesus right now, friend. That's all you have to do. Jesus, come into my heart and life and save me from my sin. I don't want to be separated from you anymore. Amen. Amen. And if you said that prayer 
or something like that, would you just let us know? We would love, you can put a comment out there um, on the podcast. We would love to hear from you. And if you need more information of what it looks like to walk with the Lord, we'd love to send you some. But we are passionate about this. This is why we do what we do. And I love Titus. And I love that it's not only for a new believer, but it's really for someone that has walked with the Lord for a while and may have wandered off and may not be living the life that God has called us to live. So this is a call to everyone, Lisa. It's a call if you're not a believer and it's a call to those that are believers because this is trustworthy. Amen. I love it. Amen. Thank you for listening today. God bless you.